Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Just called midday Australian Eastern Standard Time. Thanks for your company on Ausbiz Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. And of course, just after midday means it is time for the call. Two experts, 10 stocks, which you send us and we get their opinions plus a stock of the day. So let's welcome our two panellists today. Chris McDonald from Morgan's. Chris, good to see you. Afternoon, David. Yeah, and Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Henry, always great to have you in at our Brangaroo studios. Let's kick off with uh, our quick stock of the day, a stock that's in the news, and uh, let's see what our our panel thinks of it. And uh, the stock in uh, the news today is a bit of a a favourite of the call that's come up a few times in the last few weeks. Breville, the uh, household products, manufacturing business, a great Australian brand name, um, going through a capital raising for the first time, raising uh, $100 million at the moment, and um, first time it's ever done it, Henry. Yes, it's 1999, I think it is, right. since they listed, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. um, it's now a $2.4 billion company. Solly Lou, of course, owns around 33% of the company. Right. Yep. So uh, I guess... Uh, you wouldn't raise capital unless you had support from Solly. Yep. So we haven't. I haven't seen the terms yet of what it's going to be, but it does look like it's going to be a rights issue, yep. which is probably fairer to retail shareholders as opposed to a uh, the usual form at the moment, which is a placement yep. and those SPPs. So hopefully that will uh, certainly help retail shareholders. It's still a good story as far as I'm concerned. Right. Uh, they, they have withdrawn guidance, but I think pretty much everybody yep. in, in the world has withdrawn guidance. Uh, why do they need the capital? Um, I guess it gives them some flexibility. Yeah. Uh, it gives them a, a potential to gear up. They've, they've got 64 million bucks on the balance sheet in cash, yeah. but they have got a lending facility. And maybe it's just an opportune time at the moment to maybe yeah. pick off some, some rivals potentially, just shore up that balance sheet a little bit. Um, there must be some supply chain issues as well there, I guess, in terms of manufacturing, which may cause some yeah. short-term financing uh, problems. So um, I don't think it's a particularly nasty uh, sort of uh, story out there. And in fact, I, I still like Breville. And you have to think, with all of us locked down in our homes yep. and all going to the Nespresso <laughs> machine rather than going to the cafe and the, yeah. the pizza machine and the home mixers, etc. You know, I think, uh, you know, the it's outlook's well pretty good. Yeah, it's well yeah. placed, I think. So it's probably and, a good And it's good to see a great Australian brand name doing well. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. Um, Chris, what do you reckon? Yeah, clearly uh, with a company that has a pretty good balance sheet and you'd imagine even though it's been a tough couple of months, they would have fared a lot better than some of the discretionary retail. I know uh, my four kids are giving that uh, a Breville a toasted sandwich maker a good nudge uh, uh, during the last few weeks. So uh, clearly they see opportunities for distressed acquisitions to add to their impressive portfolio suite. They may indeed look to uh, be a distribution partner with one or two other products as they have with Nespresso as well. So for me, it's probably a a good opportunity for them to recharge the batteries and 
And if they see that our uh, particularly our domestic market, where they're still their strongest uh, market, is going to be fairly benign for the next 12 to 18 months, uh, they might look to strengthen their growth profile, as I said, through earnings accretive acquisition. Okay. So expect them to be on the front. Uh, very smart management, really good numbers uh, as recently as uh, uh, February. So you saw that big spike in the share price before the, the crumble with the market through March. So let's see how it flows post this uh, uh, raising. But certainly if uh, the the share price trades back, which it might on market weakness closer to that rights issue price, it's one that you can pretty much look to add to one of the, the more resilient uh, retail mm. success stories. Australian okay. ASX. All right. So if there's a pullback after the on the rights issue, maybe a good buying time. All right. That's Breville. So um, so both Marcus and Chris still like the stock. Uh, let's kick off your 10 that you've sent us. A really interesting um, 10 stocks today. They always are uh, with a bit of a bend uh, towards um, med tech companies, medical technology companies. Um, fascinating, you've asked us to look at both Polynovo and Avita Medical uh, a bit later, which are, are similar sorts of business. So it'd be interesting to compare the two. But the first stock to tick off is a long way from MedTech, and that's one of our, uh, probably our only decent shipbuilder, privately run or listed shipbuilder here in Australia, Ostal, um, the, uh, based in WA, um, shipbuilder there does a lot of contracts with US De Defence Department, missed out on a big contract for some to build some American frigates recently, but uh, the Australian government ordered another six patrol boats with them. Um, Henry, um, Ostal's an interesting business, is it? It is. It's kind of one of those slow mm. creep kind of stories. It just uh, it does what it does really well. Yep. It builds those uh, combat ships for the US government. I suspect it was a little bit of a shock to the market that they missed out on that uh, that contract recently to one of their competitors. It was a yeah. four-way kind of uh, tender, I believe, and they missed out. They did get a consolation prize, as you say. They got, I think it was $340 million buck uh, order from the Australian government. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a question, I guess, of whether the US cuts back its defence spending. Uh, the literal combat ship, I heard someone describe it as the little crappy ship. <laughs> that's, oh, okay. that's, what, uh, that's what some in the Navy call it. But yeah. um, they've certainly done very well out of that. It's a slow grind story, not without risk. Of course, building ships is not mm. the easiest business in the world. They've yeah. got a big shipyard in Alabama, which they have to keep busy. So um, I think it's a hold for me, but right. it, it's certainly not a screaming buy. And if that continuation of missing out to competitors in the US was to, uh, to gather more momentum, I think that would be a bit of a concern. Right. Because the, the Australian Navy is obviously not anywhere near as big as no. the, the US yeah, Navy. You've got to so crack the US. You've got to crack the US market, Navy. hence the Alabama yep. shipyard that they've got there. So uh, I think there are some concerns around it. So for me, it's probably a hold at the moment. Okay. Chris? Yeah, certainly if you're a shareholder at the moment, you would have had a very exciting start to the month that rocketed up and then plunged almost on the same day. Uh, uh, losing out on a big contract, getting the booby prize uh, with the Australian uh, 350. Being a booby prize, I'd uh, be pretty happy with that personally. Uh, it is, we're talking lumpy contracts and you're really at uh, uh, the mercy of competitive tendering and also big government uh, uh, spending commitments. So I agree with Henry, a little bit cautious, but they've got a track record of de de delivering good product um, to time and reasonably to budget. 
uh, and looking at the share price performance, if you're in them, I'm happy to hold, certainly for the next 12 months. I do see them creeping higher. Uh, but, you know, there'll be a bit of a trend when we're looking at products. You really want to see in this marketplace good earnings growth, at least over the three years ahead. And it's a little bit difficult to price that out for this company. So I'm definitely in the hog category as well. I think there's better opportunities, particularly if the market eases back over the next six weeks. Austal yep. uh, will be in a long, slow burn scenario. But uh, pretty steady earnings. And uh, hopefully, I believe they're up for a couple of other tenders next year as well. Right. Okay. And I suppose it's it's it sort of falls into the question when economies start to to sort of trigger some growth again and governments get into spending whether uh, defence contracts are seen to be stimulatory as much as infrastructure plays, yeah. if you like. As yeah. A, uh, well, yeah. That, I mean, that's certainly a valid concern, I guess. And if, if you've got to cut your cloth somewhere, yeah. it may be that some of that defence spending gets cut back a little bit as these government stimulus programs come through yeah. in other infrastructure products that may yeah. um, employ more people, I yeah. guess. All right. Our second stock, Chris, Pinnacle Investment, sort of basically a, a support platform, isn't it, for, for investment managers? It is, and it's an interesting model. I actually have a uh, equity share in 16 different uh, investment managers, so they're really well diversified. Um, as you can see on that chart, they were a very, very steady uh, company up until recent times. Um, not unusual to see that little peak into February where we're, we were hitting all-time highs and those February reporting numbers for Pinnacle and others showed really good underlying growth. Uh, they had fully frank dividend. Their net profit was up 37%. It was happy days before COVID-19 for them and others. Since then, a lot of the un underlying investment managers have seen big capital outflows. That flows through to their business as well. So um, for me, uh, I'm a little bit cautious on Pinnacle. Um, they really are, uh, you know, trying to uh, pick investment managers and get pieces of their business uh, and underlying earnings. So far, so good for them. Uh, they're 45% exposed to Aussie equities as well. So I guess if you want to have a listed way of getting a broad exposure to different equity classes, they aren't bad. Uh, but you only have to look at target prices out in the market. You've got analysts with a $4 price target and analysts with a $6 price target. So. A um, lot of uncertainty on where this one's going, but again, like a lot of them, uh, probably if you're in them fairly safe, we've only seen at least half of the gains after that sell-off. And as I said, their, their benefit is uh, they don't do the day-to-day -day investment decisions. They're trying to cherry-pick the best guys in different investment classes. And so far, they've done reasonably well. So not one you can get excited about, but definitely not one I'm super concerned about. Thank Thankfully, their balance sheet's pretty good and right. they've got good diversity. Okay, Henry? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously Chris is right. They've got good diversity. These guys invest in fund managers. They had one really super hot fund manager last year, Firetrail, I think it was, that was doing all the right moves. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the stock was just pretty much going sideways, as Chris says, until February when we saw that big blip up on the results. I wouldn't be surprised to see them sort of grind higher, but I think there is market risk at the moment. There is a, a certain cooling that we've seen in, in, a couple, you know, in the last few days. So there is some market risk and fund managers, of course, are very geared to that, uh, to that market right. risk. So yeah. any sort of pullback that we see in the market will have a detrimental effect on their 16 underlying sort of fund managers that they, they basically stake, mm. I guess. Okay. Um, so I, I think it's, it's, it's had a pretty good bounce. What did it get down to? It got down to uh, $2.51 at some stage and here we are back at $3.80. So it's had a pretty good bounce. 
I, I would imagine that 420 would probably be the top of this one just in the short right. term. Okay. So it's probably a hold and maybe sideways drift. Right. Okay. So a hold for, for you as well, Chris? Yeah, I mean, on a bullish day, I'd probably say it uh, can get as high as 450. So, right. yeah, there's probably some upside. Uh, nothing to worry about holding this through because I do think the second half of this year we'll see a bit more bullish action going to the US election and, and oh, hopefully okay. through the worst of the whole. Uh, so, yeah, there's probably some upside there, but I can see some uh, better long-term owner, you know, owner, you know, uh, opportunities out there with much more visibility on three to four-year earnings growth. Okay. All right. Um, our third stock, would that fall into that category, Chris, James Hardy, the uh, the building materials company? James Hardy, all about uh, uh, building construction in the US, really. They've really pivoted over there over the last couple of years. Obviously had their few issues going back to asbestos days. Uh, they, they really are, I think now, about 80% exposed to the US. Uh, so with housing not... Uh, uh, surprisingly dropping off a cliff there in, in lockdown in the US, we've seen a, a dramatic sell-off. Again, this is a business you would expect to recover over the next 12 months. Um, stimulus uh, at a state level encouraging housing development should improve their fortunes in the medium term. They are growing market share and they really are looking at uh, cement fibre uh, sheeting, uh, which is an integral part of those value uh, sort of knock them up uh, uh, developments. So you would expect that they can improve. However, you know, if we have a second uh, wave going into fall, winter next year, it's probably going to be a really difficult time for them again. So if you're going to play that type of business, I'd probably prefer another, uh, you know, big building and infrastructure business in the Sinbin and Borrell. Uh, the, the difference mm -hmm. between the two is Borrell's in construction, but also heavily weighted to infrastructure. And as we've seen, uh, the infrastructure on the east coast of Australia, where they're very heavily involved, uh, and the US with a promise of $4 trillion of stimulus into infrastructure. I think if you're going to pick between the two, I'd rather play the sustainability of infrastructure spending and earnings over yeah. the fickleness of uh, housing. So uh, I think, you know, if we get a sell-off, you can buy the dip in, in our friends at, at James Hardy. Uh, but, uh, you know, borrow for me on a risk-reward, to be honest, because there's so much uncertainty in the in the marketplace and we've seen a lot of rhetoric as they open up the US, um, how are those infection numbers going to spike in the next four to six weeks? Sure. Okay. Henry? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I, Chris has got out on a limb there. Not many people like Borrell. I moment, was going to say, no, I mean, I mean Borrell had problems before <laughs> coronavirus. Yeah. You know, it was a struggling uh, building materials company before coronavirus. Whereas James Hardy was actually doing pretty well before the virus right. hit. So uh, you would imagine, well, you would hope, that uh, James Hardy will do better as that uh, those restrictions are relaxed, whereas Borrell, I think, still has some serious question marks over right. its business. Of course, it has bounced as, as the market has bounced. I'd much prefer to go with James Hardy, right. uh, to be honest. It's a quality operation. It has that leverage to the US and also has leverage to a lower Aussie dollar if we did see the Aussie dollar come under pressure, yep. which surprisingly, it's been remarkably firm. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I'd much rather go with James Hardy. The, their, their profit outlook is, is pretty good. 350 to 370, they're tidying up the range there. Does give you that exposure to the US housing market, exposure to the US dollar. And I think Borrell still has some management issues. They've right. still got, um, the, the CEO is sort of kind of in, in limbo land a bit. There are yep. some issues there and it was having issues before. Right. Okay, so you'd prefer James Hardy over Borrell? Much but... prefer. 
is James Hardy a buy? <laughs> Um, I think it, it's 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 a hold at the moment. Right. I think it's too early to okay. really tell how things are going to pan out in the U.S., which is clearly the big driver that's had the big yep. bounce. But it was uh, it was doing pretty well before the virus hit. So it's it's definitely a hold. And as uh, Chris says, if, if if we see any pullback there in the share price, it's probably worth looking at for an accumulator. Yep. It's it's a stock that we like. We have in a number mm-hmm. of our portfolios. But it is kind of. The, it, Everything at the moment depends on price. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think if it pulls back, you'd probably add to that position. Okay. All right. Um, Henry, stick with you on this one. Okay. Um, uh, Jumbo Interactive, the online lottery <laughs> business, um, has had a lot of fans over recent times, hasn't it? As a, as a good alternative in that it in has. that gaming space. It has. It's, it's a strange business. It's got an agreement basically with Tabcorp. Yeah. that runs Oz Lottos. And it's, it's tried to branch out into the charity side of things as well. So um, instead of just the 20 million on a Thursday kind of Powerball things yeah. that it offers, it does also offer the, you know, the Ford Mustang or the House on the Gold Coast, those sorts of charity things. And, and I'd imagine there's a number yeah. of people that when they go into Oz Lotto for another two bucks, they buy that ticket right. for the boys home or what, whatever the, the, the prize is. Um, it's, it's very well run. It's had an amazing volatile run. I think it got to 28 bucks at one stage wow. and got down below $8. The, the key driver last year was the number of big uh, jackpots that we saw. And of course, that drives business to their website. Mm. The driver recently, of course, is that we're all locked down. Um, we can't bet on the normal things if you want to bet, that is. Yep. Um, so it has made people go to that online platform. And of course, once you get the details, once you get all that data from people, yeah. Um, it does build the business. The problem they've got, I think, is the year. And I think there was a problem when it clicked over from 2019 to 2020. They have an agreement with Tabcorp, which finishes next year, ah. 2021. Now, when you're at 2019, 2021 seems two years away. When it's 2020 and you're now halfway through it, yeah. that is starting to rear its ugly head. Right. Now, there is every conceivable possibility that Tabcorp will renew that. Tabcorp have a slice of uh, Jumbo as well. So that is important. They've had a long relationship. There's no reason to suggest that the relationship would fail, but it is a binary outcome. If, yeah. if, if they lost the Oz Lotto business and Tabcorp took it back in-house or something happened, just relying on that charity's business to win a Ford Mustang is not really going to cut the mustard. So I think that is the risk out there. Um, it is a 2021, and if, even, if it was, uh, even if they finished the agreement, it still has another year of kind of, of a notice period. Right. So it's okay. still a 2022 story. Yeah. But when you're looking that far out, I think that is something the market is concerned with. Certainly agreeing with Henry. Uh, if we're looking at stocks that we're talking about today, we've got market risk as it stands. So you really want to have dialed in control over a, a, you know as many outcomes as possible. And uh, that's a key outcome with Tapcorp that we really don't have an answer for at the moment. It's a big potential cloud on the horizon. Uh, we think it's a little bit of expensive. It's probably not fair value for us below $10. So given the recent recovery, uh, I probably look elsewhere in this space. Uh, you want to see where those global trends are, and they still seem to be um, betting, pardon the pun, on on more nimble uh, uh, sports-based betting solutions. Obviously, they've been in a huge black hole, but you see some of the new providers on the ASX. There's one called BetMakers, B-E-T. They're providing a lot of those online software platforms for some of the biggest players on the planet uh, to operate as they all move from offline to online. 
Uh, and points bet another one that's got a few licenses overseas that seem to be kicking goals as well. So I think in this space, you need to be looking where the trends are in betting. Obviously, uh, as we open up sport, uh, there's going to be winners and losers in that. And potentially people might, might migrate away from those traditional lottos again. So um, enough uncertainty here to, to look elsewhere. There's plenty of stocks yeah. out there uh, to look at. So I'd be leaving this one. Our fifth stock is um, Chris 360 Capital, an investment and, and funds management group again. Look, this is actually a really difficult one. This is a business that tries to play in the alternative assets uh, space. So anything that's not your vanilla assets, they've got a number of listed funds uh, and it's just a mixed grill. When you go through their, their presentation, it's actually relatively confusing as a business. Uh, as you see, they were tracking fairly well. Um, I, I would tend to stay away from the, the actual stock itself, but have a look at uh, their uh, fund. It's a listed fund, their digital infrastructure fund. It's uh, tickers TDI. It's probably the only one I'd look at because they're investing in data centers, uh, a fiber and 5G. Now, obviously those spaces have had pretty interesting um, highlight with stay at home and, and the move to online and that's probably the best growth so rather than um, as opposed to Pinnacle which are really just cherry picking the best investment managers and trying to get a clip of the shared profits across those 16 these guys have got fingers in a lot of pies trying to spin off a lot of little funds um, in relatively exotic they've got uh, debt they've got uh, uh, property uh, they've got some pretty interesting private equity plays it's just, it looks a little bit convoluted and a little bit tricked up for me. It's, a, it's, it's one of those businesses where there's so many moving parts. And uh, again, as I've said before, you want uh, as clear uh, a story and a clear of line of sight for earnings growth as possible. As I said, if you are interested in this stock, drill down, look at their individual funds. Uh, and I think that digital infrastructure fund's probably the, the best of the bunch there. I think they've got three, they want to launch a fourth one soon. Okay, all right, Henry. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one, this one. They've been quite active uh, in sort of shareholder activism over the years and quite keen on doing acquisitions and uh, trying to extract value. They've gone head-to-head -head with a number of other fund managers over uh, one or two companies. They've got plenty of cash. They've got around 44 cents in cash. They've got no debt. They were trading at a massive discount to uh, their NTA, I think at one stage around 33% or something. So, wow. so they put in a buyback. Uh, they put in a mechanism to try and close up that discount. And the last time I looked, I think the NTA was around 91, 92 cents. They're trading at 86 cents. It's really hard to get excited about this one. It's, you know, it's 3.5% it's yield. There's no franking. Right. Um, it's a little bit, as Chris says, a little bit of a black box. You're kind yep. of hope, you know, taking the trust me, I know what I'm doing kind of routine. But they have been quite conservative and they have been quite good managers. It did fall all the way out of bed, obviously, in the, in the coronavirus uh, March madness. Uh, and it's fighting its way back and, and gradually doing it. But I think there's a lot right. more exciting opportunities okay. elsewhere. And the volume's really pretty terrible Tiny. as well. Yeah, right. 18,000 or something, I think it is today, 20,000. Right. So th there's not a huge amount of liquidity. Right. Um, and that buyback is helping the discount back to uh, the NTA okay. close back up. So All right, so a no for 360 Capital. Uh, halfway through our 10 stocks for the day, uh, Austell is uh, a hold... Uh, Pinnacle a hold, um, James Hardy, um, a no from Henry, Borrell um, is uh, preferred by Chris in that space, uh, no for Jumbo Interactive, but 
maybe look at point points bet if you want a really volatile one or bet makers. Uh, 360 Capital, I know. Um, our sixth stock on the 10 um, for the call for this Wednesday, ProMedicus, a uh, healthcare company basically in medical imaging. Uh, Henry, I notice it's, it's up pretty <laughs> it's strongly it. today is, in, a, in, a, in a falling market. It and, is. It's, it's had a huge bounce. I'm just looking at the chart yeah. here, David. 14.86 it got down to. It's now 27. 30. So it's pretty much doubled since the bottom in March. Yeah. Um, this is a medical imaging company, as you rightly say, it's pretty much predominantly based in the US. I mean, that, that's, right. that's where its bread and butter is. Yeah. Uh, it's got a product called Visage. They're doing all the right things. They're signing up new hospitals. Uh, it seems to be a pretty good platform. Um, it's one of the few um, med tech stocks, I guess, yeah. that you would look at. It, it's certainly in the quality end of things mm. and has been signing up some, some good deals along the way. So I'd be pretty happy with this one. Just um, had a good year, hasn't it? It's had a good year. Um, it's volatile. I mean, right. let's face it, a lot of these things are. So much of it is price dependent on whether you're going to pay these prices. Yeah. Clearly at uh, 1480 or whatever it was, that was a, a great bargain. Really but there buy. was there were so many bargains around. Yeah. Yeah. You look at the charts and you think, oh, come on. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so... For me, it's probably getting a smidge toppy just at the moment yep. um, and maybe could do with a bit of consolidation. But certainly, you know, price dependent is a good quality growth story uh, geared to the US. It's got good clients. It's winning new clients. Oh, okay. So uh, I think it's a, it's a quality stock. So a yes, but on a pullback. Yes, if but, you can get yes, but and, price dependent. And it going so much against the day's trading today. Yeah, it's a good you sign, wonder. isn't it? I don't yeah. know if there's a broker report out or something on it, right. which is yeah. always kind of helps. But uh, certainly it, it's, you know, again, it's this, this we've got so few tech stocks. And when yes. you start talking medical imaging and that, that falls into that tech basket, yeah. I think there's, uh, mm. you know, the, the money tends to swoosh towards yep. those tech stocks. Uh, Chris, what about ProMedicus? Yeah, look, uh, we're moving into the second half of stocks, and I think we've got some really interesting ones. This included, uh, it's a bit of a Morgan's favourite. We've got a price target of about $31. Mm. It's a little bit of a rock star stock. This is a global uh, success story with uh, medical technology, really underpinning a lot of those big radiology practices and hospitals in the US uh, and sticky business. So once they're in there, they tend to retain the business and, and leverage off that success. They've got a, a, an earnings margin of about 65%, which is obviously a great business uh, in terms of healthy margins. Uh, for me, it sits sweetly in that buy on a pullback. I'd love to be able to pick a stack of them up in the low 20s. Um, but it is a, it's a high growth uh, buy and hold sort of story uh, because of its PE. When, when the market sells off, it will get... Uh, it will get sold off as well quite significantly. So really put it on your watch list now. And if we get that suspected uh, pullback over the next six weeks, look to add them with a three-year horizon. Their market okay. penetration in the US market is significant, but they've still got 70 or 80% of the market to approach. So plenty of upside there and uh, earnings profile looks really good. So, so what's your target price? Uh, $31. So okay. notwithstanding it's had a big run, uh, yeah. we still think there's... Uh, but that's 12 months, so we've got time. As I said, oh. I agree with Henry. 14 to 26.7 is a big run. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to break, I get reset. Okay, all right. But uh, some good wraps. 
uh, well run from both of you. I suppose that that's the key for it. And with some sticky clients in the United yeah. States really helps. Yeah. All right. Um, our next one is uh, Polynovo, um, which is uh, another med tech uh, stock, I suppose you could say, medical device company uh, specialising in, in burns. Um, the next stock is the one after this is Avita, which has a similar profile. Um, let's deal with Polynovo first, then we'll deal with Avita secondly, and then maybe compare them in the market. Um, Henry? Um, yeah, Polynovo has been a fantastic stock. We, we got on this one around 40 cents from memory, right. uh, and it just was a... Jeez, you've done really well, haven't you? I know, sta sta <laughs> staggering performance. I, yeah. I even had them PA and I sold them at 50 cents, thinking I was doing really well, but kept right. them for the fund. But um, yeah, they have done staggeringly well. They have a, a product called Novasorb, yeah. which um, I, I remember when they were about 30 or 40 cents watching the video, I thought, God, this is cool. Yeah. This is really cool stuff. Um, and it basically is, is a treatment for, it's like a scaffold that enables burns victims to recover far better and the skin to grow back uh, wow. far better. It, it's, it's a pretty cool product. And they've had record sales recently. It, you've got to say though, when you look at the, the sales and you look at the market cap, which is probably one and a half billion at the moment, to me, there's still a bit of a disconnect. Right. Um, however, there is a lot of growth opportunities in this one because it is accelerating. This product does seem to be um, gaining traction, not just in the US, but also in Germany and the UK as well, when yeah. they're starting to treat patients with this product, which is good. Not only that, they have a, a, another use for this product as well, another sort of ancillary use in terms of uh, hernias and breast implants as well. So that, that's another wow. key to this. So it could, it could sort of go from there to, to some extent. So uh, it's been really volatile. It, it kind of goes all over the place, yep. um, but it is, a, it is one of those market darling stocks, as was Avita. Um, in that space because it's that cool, you know, spray on skin kind of yep. Australian ingenuity yep. uh, being taken to the world. They're very much focused on the US, but you look at the numbers and what did they make? Uh, 8.57 million in sales revenue for the first half. Right. Now that, for a $1.5 billion company to sell under 9 million bucks worth of products. That's not a lot of sales. It's not a lot of sales. <laughs> so you are, you are making a yeah. kind of a leap of faith. Yeah. Um, to some extent, but the, the numbers are increasing and clearly there's a hockey stick element to the, to the sales numbers, which the market's pricing in and that uh, the, the, the hernia to come and the, well, hopefully not, yeah. but, but the hernia <laughs> and the breast implant uh, growth opportunity there to come as well. So okay. um, it, it's a good stock, again, price dependent. It's yeah. had a big, big run. It got down to a dollar 32. It's back up to 250. You know, two bucks. It's probably a screaming buy at two fifty. It's probably not so uh, screaming, but right. it's a good long-term story if they can keep this momentum in the sales in the US <coughs> and roll out the, the other products they've got in the pipeline. It's a good long-term story. So, but well-run business seems they to be well, seems to be well-run business. Very very focused. Good executives. They seem to have costs under control as well. That's always a big danger, I guess, when you go to the US and you you, you know you build up this. Fabulous yeah. sales team and marketing expenses, and you're taking all the doctors out, and you're, you know, whining and dining or whatever. Um, it's probably saving them a fortune at the moment, not having to do that. <laughs> so um, they seem to be quite disciplined with their approach, and it, they seem to be quite mm. good managers of the uh, okay. of the business. All right, Chris, what do you think of Polynovo? Oh, I think we've just we've just lost Chris. We, he's become. Uh, a bit disconnected. Um, a so, <laughs> um, so while we've got 
you on this um, on this theme. You mentioned briefly Abita Medical, yeah. um, another medtech company. The spray on skin, yeah. it's in the respiratory area, changing its domicile to the United States apparently. Yeah. In the future. So it, it seems to an outsider a similar profile type company. Is that right? Or yes, we're missing the point. No, I think I think you're spot on actually, David. It's got a product called Resell yeah. uh, with a C. Uh, and it is not dissimilar in terms of it, it treats trauma uh, of skin and that sort of thing. Um, it probably hasn't got the same growth with the other side of things just that Polynovo has. Um, it has been a, a, you know, another market darling. This stock got to uh, 84, 85 cents pre-corona and it has made an unusual move in that it is changing its domicile from Australia to the US. Yes. And that is a good thing in some ways because it's purely, it is a very focused company on, on its US business and that's where its bread and butter is. You know, they had revenue in uh, the first three months to March of 8 million. So it's not... It's, so it's similar revenue. It's similar yeah. to, the, to the Polynovo. The problem is I think the market's got a little bit, concern, not concerned, but a little bit right. upset that they're moving their primary listing from Australia to America, they've had they've had a listing in America, right. but it, it's just a I think a peevish thing. There's some you know retail investors that don't like uh, that. They think there's something sinister going on. Perhaps they don't like the fact they're going to be driven by by the by the U.S. in terms of price movement. But it's not uncommon for uh, for our stocks to have listings in the U.S. Yeah. Mesoblast has it, and a lot of Aussie stocks go to the U.S. in terms of Nasdaq listings because it gives you. Um, a greater audience. It gives you yeah. some gravitas when you move into you know, the sales process. You say, but that, and those medtech stocks here in Australia seem to have outperformed the ones in the US. They have. They? they have. About Polynovo. Yeah, we're getting into these really interesting stocks now that are promising to change the world, uh, kind of uh, uh, Terminator healing uh, products. Uh, uh, Polynova is actually quite an interesting business. Uh, if you look at their five-year history, uh, it's really about the commercialization story. They've got uh, bio-reabsorbable bio scaffolds. They're looking at the wound healing market, but also in hernias and, and other internal implants as well to provide structural integrity during operations. Um, they have a, had a big pullback, but they're already back up to $2.40. 1.6 billion market cap again. It's one I I like if you're willing to hold it for three years. It's one of those businesses you could see a, a big US med tech take out in the uh, as it's getting larger. But again, you don't need to buy it up here. It looks expensive already given its underlying earnings. I'm not sure if Henry was touching on earnings versus valuation, but uh, certainly not cheap here. You're buying a lot of blue sky at this level. I'd rather uh, look to see it come back uh, closer to the $2 or sub $2 and maybe reappraise it. <laughs> exactly what Henry said. <laughs> said, yes, good business, pulls back to $2. It's a bit toppy at the moment. Uh, pull back to $2 or under, and then, then you'd start to look at it. Um, Avita, um, similar yep. sort of business, similar story, if you like, behind it. Um, as you were saying, that... that Spray on skin, changing its domicile to the United States. Um, a lot lower share price, around the 40 cent mark at the moment. Um, what do you think of Avita? 
This is actually probably even the more interesting of the two. They've, they, they want to go to the US because they think they can get access to a lot of the big uh, private equity, sorry, the family office money and a lot of the uh, biotech funds that sit over there. Uh, also expect that they'll get a higher multiple uh, and potentially attract potential acquirers in the future. So I understand the methodology and the reasoning behind going across. We've got a little bit of uncertainty until that happens and you will see a number of uh, clients that don't want to end up with US stocks sell out. Um, so probably it's going to play out in a bit of uncertainty for another month. Uh, but really, if you want to buy kind of a brave new world future story, then these guys look pretty good. If you look at their revenue numbers, uh, they went from 11 million to 21 million. So they've doubled revenue in the last year. So they're definitely the, the, the earnings profile looks very, very exciting. It's just how much you're willing to pay for that and how long you've got to wait before it breaks even. This is a classic uh, loss-making business, but so was, you know, zero for many years. So, so it's um, left to pay. You know, you close your eyes. Won't be paying these sort of prices. They got down to 35. I'd wait until they're under a 40 and be prepared to own a US stock for for a while, which creates its own little nuances in terms of having a broker and and signing declarations around tax, etc. So be a little careful about that, or you can end up with a lot of paperwork. Yeah, and just like uh, ProMedicus, um, Avita's gone against the the market trend today with. Um, a reasonable rise in um, in share price. Um, do you do you make a choice between the two out of uh, out of Polynova and Avita? Well, I was actually thinking about that, uh, uh, David. It's probably a scenario where if we do get a pullback, buying a little bit in both and, and building up your uh, your exposure in that space. If you're a believer in that type of regenerative medicine, the next sort of stage of wound healing and development, um, diversifying across the two businesses, probably not the silliest thing. They will have different announcements at different times. I know there's a big uh, 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 scalding from boiling water trial uh, that uh, Avita's got at the moment. So if that's successful, they'll probably rock it away as uh, more uh, practitioners start to utilize uh, their uh, resell system for uh, scalding burns. So yeah, look, they're both Australian success stories. So look yeah. at their five-year charts. They do look a bit toppy at the moment, but there's a good argument to say, you know, mm. if they come back to more sensible levels, buying both. Okay. All right, uh, Chris, while we've got you there, people infrastructure. Now, this is one of those sort of workforce management type uh, platforms, isn't it, for corporates? It definitely is, and obviously one that got uh, sold off very, very heavily with the shutdown uh, uh, early. Uh, people wondering what was going to happen with the with employment falling off a cliff. Um, fortunately for people infrastructure, a couple of things have happened. They've they've raised equity, so they raised seventeen million dollars, so their balance sheet's now strong. Um, they're fifty percent weighted toward healthcare, and a lot of that is for. Uh, the NDIS. So they've got good government support there for employing staff to look after people with disabilities. So it's got that backstop in terms of uh, uh, government support, money and supplements. Uh, they also have quite a lot in the nursing space. So as we see elective surgery come back on, hopefully that'll uh, improve on the nursing side of things. The food processing and marketing and um, uh, mining uh, side of the business is held up quite well. So for me, uh, it's probably a buy at about $1.80, $1.70. 
was sailing along beautifully closer to four dollars until recently so i like the business they do what they do very very well but again the uncertainty around how quickly this bounces back in australia is just a little bit of concern but i do like the fact that they they generally weighted toward mm. big organizations government organizations as opposed to uh, exposed to employment around small business okay so not a bad business but they they had a great run from you know 90 cents to two dollars twenty yep. in the last month so yep. you watch it ease back it'll be in my box to look to pick up a few if we get some weakness okay yeah what do you think Henry? yeah i'd have to agree with chris on this one it's um it's a good business it does what it says on the box it's exposed to a lot of good sectors uh, as chris rightly points out clearly hospitality uh, not one of those just at the moment but that will bounce yep. back and they seem yep. to be at least uh, holding the ship pretty steady as she goes at the moment it's just really a question of price for a lot of these things you know they, they raise money what was it below a dollar or around a dollar you know yep. they're two bucks now so yep. people have done pretty well out of this one at the pick the bottom of it, um, I'd be looking to to buy them on any kind of weakness, dribbling right. back to one seventy one eight, pretty much as, as Chris points out. Right. Um, it's run really hard, but it has got potential. You know, if the world recovers, and that's something we don't know yet, but if the world does recover, and certainly the Australian economy does recover, and it's very much geared, it's it's a domestic business. So yep. if our economy does better than some, um, it should recover better, and we could see, you know, we could see it three. Three bucks, three fifty okay. um, right. in six months' time. But okay. I'd prefer to buy it at a dollar fifty, dollar seventy, dollar eighty than than paying two bucks just at the moment. Right, sure. Okay. All in the timing, but a good company. All in well, the timing. Well run yeah. and it's just where it is in the cycle at the moment. Yeah. All right, our final stock is right at the big end of town, um, with the AMP, Henry. Uh, <laughs> massive Wealth Management Financial Institution had its annual meeting what, last week, I think, David, yeah, it did. David Murray saying, yeah. you know, it's been through these problems before and <laughs> <laughs> referred to the Spanish flu back 100 years ago. But yeah. anyhow, um, how do you say, battered by the Hain Royal Commission, all yeah. sorts of things. I, I think that the metaphor for the AMP is they're building in circular key. Right, yeah. You know, when, when you look at that, that kind of sums up AMP. Right. You know, it, it's an icon of the past, yep. um, trying to change. It's, the building itself is being redeveloped. It's trying to change, but it takes time, uh, and the market's not being very forgiving just at the moment. Um, so there are probably easier stories out there. Right. You know, Francesco's got a, a, a tough job in front of him. David Murray is a seasoned... A veteran of, yep. of, of turnaround situations. He knows the business. Um, he knows the problems they've got. Uh, Ramir, he's the right bloke for he's, that he's position. The, he's the right yep. guy for the job. Yep. Um, it remains to be seen whether Francesco is the right guy for the job, but certainly um, it is, it's like trying to turn around a super tanker. Yep. You know, it's not going to happen easily. Um, it's going to take some pain. They've, uh, they've pulled the pin on selling their New Zealand uh, business recently. Clearly the market conditions weren't ripe for that. Yep. You know, if you were really contrarian at a dollar thirty-nine, <laughs> and you're prepared to, you know, back Murray and, and uh, the CEO, then you're probably going to get two bucks in two years' time, maybe, right, right. if they don't stuff it up. If something yeah. else doesn't happen, given that the, the government at the moment is in a forgiving mood to financial services companies, we've seen yeah. that with with uh, the mortgage broking reforms that have been extended for another six months. Yeah. Um, we've also seen, you know, the banks. Uh, are not being attacked quite so much for being the bad boys of the world. Um, there is a, you know, there is a possibility that the AMP could escape 
um, more draconian measures going forward right. and maybe you know, we'll see two bucks sooner rather than later. But of course, I just think there's easier things yeah. out there. Too, too hard. It's just a too hard basket yeah. just at the moment. All right. What do you think, Chris? Well, I think building on from uh, Henry, the question is why? What job is it doing <laughs> in your portfolio? Why don't you try to be non-emotional about you're putting your money, entrusting your money with them, right? Hopefully, either to get dividends or for them to grow earnings and grow uh, the share price over time. And, you know, you're competing against 4,000 plus other listed entities in that process. So you really need to question what job they are doing. They're exposed to uh, uh, funds under management. So with the share, you know, shares going back globally, that's uh, hurt them and they're trying to clip the ticket. Uh, you've got a whole... Um, revolution, if you like, happening uh, in financial planning advice at the moment, and 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 they're vulnerable there. Uh, they've got some legacy issues on having to be the buyer of last resort for financial planners' books if they retire. Um, they're not going to pay a dividend anytime soon. Uh, earnings this year are going to fall. You know how quickly they recover next year and the following year. So, not really an exciting business to wait out an uncertain uh, global period. Really, for me. Uh, there's so many other uh, financial services businesses that you can look at. Some we've touched on today. Yeah. I mean, you can look at a reformed uh, a stock that was in the bad books 10, 12 years ago, Macquarie Bank. If we see uh, the market sell off into into June and Macquarie's back in the in the low 90s, you're getting a seven and a half billion dollars yeah. of excess uh, money on their balance sheet. Okay. It's paying dividends, exposed okay. to infrastructure. Okay, let, let me pose you just quickly this question though. Is Combank more attractive today after selling out of Colonial First Aid or selling a good part of it to KKR? On the margins, it is, yes. Right. For me, uh, Combank under $60 of the big four is probably uh, the best uh, place to hide, if you like, more likely to pay a dividend in uh, later this year. Uh, we've seen uh, two of their competitors suspend and nab half. Uh, they've got the best technology platform and uh, the best overall yeah. business model. And not surprisingly, they've held up the most. So that's uh, divesting out of their non-core assets. It's been a long-standing process for them. They can redeploy that capital, hopefully with higher returns. So on balance it is. But again, I don't think you need to rush out and get the banks. We've had a nice recovery from those 4,200 lows. Um, we're looking in a little bit of a tug of war between good news of opening up economies and uncertainty about the earnings hole and, and those earnings numbers in, in the US in July. And of course, case numbers spiking in the Northern Hemisphere. So we're in that tug of war at the moment in yeah. the markets. I think you can wait, but if you're picking one of the top four banks, uh, CBA is definitely the one I'm most comfortable yeah. with, given that yeah. the known unknowns. Henry, uh, do you think selling out of uh, Colonial First Aid or selling out a stake in it has been good for Combank? Yeah, I do. I, I think um, simple is good at the moment. Yeah. Uh, simple businesses that the management get their head around and more importantly, control. Uh, they can control. Um, I think it's, you know, it's a good move for the banks. To, they've all been doing trying to simplify their offerings. Yeah. Uh, that's part of the problem with the AMP. It's not that simple yet. Um, a catalyst for a change could be selling, maybe selling a stake at AMP Capital right. or demerging that. That could be a good catalyst. Yeah. But I think we're, we're going down the road where the banks put everything together and wanted to be that one-stop shop for finance and made it so complicated that no one could yeah. understand and they could charge big fat fees for no one being able to understand. Yeah. The, the mood has switched. 
Now people want transparency, they want to know what they're paying, they want a simple bank, Commonwealth Bank is simplifying and I think that that's important and it gives some certainty as well. And that valuation, you know, it, it's not bad. They sold 55% for what, 1.7 yeah, billion? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's not a bad value, especially when you've got to write off 1.5 in bad debts. You know, that may come back, but uh, it certainly helps them in the balance sheet department. It's like having the rights issue that, you know, the others have. And the other great thing about Combank, of course, is they're out of cycle. Yep. They're not in the same cycle. They've paid their interim dividend. They were generous back in, in February. Yep. And now, of course, we're looking for the final dividend, which could be paid after this is all... Yeah. Over, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they yeah. could sail through this with a with a complete dividend tick sheet. Just pure out of pure because, luck. Because they are in a different cycle. Pure luck, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay, gents. Uh, thank you for that. Really appreciate your time. And just to recap, the final uh, five stocks: uh, ProMedicus, uh, yes, good company. Buy on a pullback. Uh, Polynovo, um, yes, a buy from both Henry and Chris under two bucks, if you can get that. Um, Avita, a good company, watch out for that, got a bit ahead of itself. Uh, people infrastructure around the $1.80 mark would start to spark a bit of interest from both uh, Chris and Henry. And uh, AMP, just too big, too complicated, too hard to turn around. All right, gents, um, really appreciate your time. Uh, Henry Jennings from uh, Marcus today. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. For that. Don't forget to go to the Marcus Today website to uh, check out uh, the latest there. And also Chris McDonald from Morgan's. Chris, always great to see you. Pleasure. Thank you. For-